Amen. Thank you, Katie. Um, well, a few technical difficulties today. Uh, nonetheless, we're navigating this fourth Sunday of Advent. Perhaps this is the most uh, anticipated. We'll put this in there with Easter week, Passion Week, the most anticipated week of the year uh, for the church um, as we come to celebrate the birth of Jesus. If you've seen us, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we started four weeks ago uh, uh, talking about Isaiah. Uh, people of God were back in the homeland post-exile, and yet it, it was dark because home wasn't home. They were exiles and strangers in their own land. And Isaiah gave this prophecy that maybe the heavens would be rent and, and God would come down. It was this hope because it was bleak and it was hopeless. And, and then we moved to second week and we talked about uh, it, it was still dark and there was one uh, out in the wilderness, one preparing the way, John the Baptist, the voice crying out, wasn't the light, but he was pointing to the light. There's hope is coming. Light will come. And last week we saw it was, in, it was at night, and it was midnight, and the shepherds were doing the messy work, tending sheep, that the angels came with the proclamation, the light is coming. Come to Bethlehem, right? Glory to God in the highest. Today we celebrate more particularly that the light has come. The light is here. John calls him the light God incarnate, that hope has arrived. It's good news for us. Um, if you're Christians, the Advent season should be one uh, that always keeps us in tension. Because in one, we, we live in a cultural moment. Uh, we live in a, a culture that, 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 that is impatient. And so it's, uh, it's after Thanksgiving, or maybe, did it seem like people decorated earlier this year? I think, I think they did. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but it's like mid-November. And we're already putting the lights up and we're celebrating. And then we get into December and it's parties, not as many this year, but parties and, and, and rapping and candles and carols and songs and shopping and uh, get in the celebratory mood quickly. We want to celebrate, we want to rejoice. And there's something good about that as a people we, we anticipate, we enjoy. But the second part, the, the bind we're in, is, is that's the season kind of culturally, and yet in the church the whole time we're trying to pump the brakes on the celebration a little bit. We're trying to say, wait, wait a second, let's hold on, let's be in this moment, uh, let's remember Advent, because it's only when we understand the difficulty and the darkness to understand the glory of the light, right? When we, when we skim over those themes, the difficulty to... The, to the great parts, we miss the depths and the hope that we have. Jesus came as the Savior because we needed to be saved, right? We needed to be rescued. It was a mission to rescue us, not to make our lives a little better, but because we were desperate. And so something about it, we need to slow down and be in the moment, in the season, to appreciate Christmas and the Christ that comes to our despair in preparation for this little series, and, and normally we kind of move through books of the Bible, but we did this little topical Advent series this year. I, I read a couple books in, in, in the process, and one of them uh, talked about um, the themes of, of ancient uh, Christmas songs and carols. Ancient and then kind of medieval songs compared to more present-day uh, Christmas songs or hymns. Uh, and it was interesting that the ancient songs were much bleaker. They were much darker. Some of the language I saw used was language like shadow and exile, fear and darkness, themes of, of gloom and torment, grave, sin and evil. 
the devil's power was used. Even language of judgment and hell were prominent in some of the older hymns. Think about that. Great theme of Advent is hell, right? And it comes to our mind. What comes to our mind is sheep and shepherds and angels and wise men and uh, the baby Jesus in a manger. And certainly those are biblical images, right? They're in the story. Luke ch- chapter 2, we read part of that today. So it's not bad, but it's, it's helpful to see what the ancient church might do to remind us that we live in a dark and bleak world to which when we grasp, we can understand the hope, the hope of Jesus. We've made it much more family-friendly. Um, we failed to appreciate the context in which the light has come. It was dark. It was deep, deep darkness. Now, I don't know if uh, this year, the world as a whole is any darker this year than it's been before, but certainly for us, maybe in our American context, we feel the darkness, don't we? I mean, we feel the unrest, we feel the COVID reality, we feel the political tension, we feel the, the racial issues we've experienced. We feel those in a way maybe that we haven't felt. We feel the loneliness and the isolation and the anxiety, right? We, fear, we feel the darkness. So I hope that this Advent, even this next few days, you can sit something in the darkness to understand the glory, the, the beauty of the light. Um, yeah, Jesus is the light. He's come. We want to understand it. Advent pushes us away from a quick fix, uh, a little mending to a full repair of our hearts. And that's what he's after. Um, but good news today that the light has indeed come the full force of hope john says is the light is here so we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about the light from this passage katie read we won't touch on all the verses but we'll get the idea that light has arrived the first thing i want you to see is the 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 central point that the light has come john says that in verse 9 the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world and then verse 14 the word She's already associated with with this light. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The hope of Christmas is that in the darkness, the light has come. And this light is bright and radiant and glorious, such that it fills our hearts uh, with His joy. I I remember in... uh, a class I took in college on, on comparative religions, and you've probably seen this in other religions. There's a, there's a lot of talk of this idea of the light. There'll be, ide- there'll be thoughts like, if you follow this teaching or this path, you'll come to the light, right? You'll come to see and understanding. Um, does the, we'll, we'll talk about light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Or maybe someone's in a difficult situation, and we, pr- we say, I hope they see the light. I hope they see what they're doing, the mistake they're making. And religions and philosophies will speak in this way to, to follow this certain teacher or guru will take you to the light. It will, it will make you enlightened. It will take you to a path where there's clarity of thought, where there's understanding. Um, it's pretty common in, in the religious uh, world. But that's not the story of our hope. It's not about uh, light bringing us to some kind of clarity or light paving the path for us, whether it's a moral path or some sort of existential experience path. Um, but the light in the scripture is a person. 
The light has come is the light has come incarnate in Jesus himself. He's not something that we discover within. It's actually he has come from without and stands as Jesus in the flesh for his people. This quote you may have seen on the screen at the beginning from David Cassidy. He says this, When God saw the darkness, he said, Let there be light. And there was light. When he saw our darkness, he said, I better get down there. And he did. God never said, you have all the light you need within you. Because we don't. Our deliverance is from him, not ourselves. It comes from heaven, not from our own hearts. Not from other teaching. Not from principles. Not from good patterns. Not from godly examples. It comes because the light has come to us. Um, contrary to the Hallmark films, right? That you can be your true self, that you can discover your inner, your inner light, even use that language, to be on the right path to find real joy. Scripture speaks uh, of the other. But the light has to come from outside. Um, we don't stumble upon it. We don't just figure it out. We don't think our way to it. Actually, light has to come to us to illumine us to let us see him face to face in the person of Jesus. It's like, it's like the deer, you know, right now you're, you're driving the country road and then the headlights catch the deer and the deer's just caught, right? Boom, the light hits it, right? That's us. <laughs> the light, the, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ catches us. We didn't go discovering it. We didn't go down the right path. We didn't turn over a new leaf. We didn't make a New Year's resolution. But the light of the world came to us to catch us, to capture us, to illumine our hearts and our lives. Brings light to the world. This is the case, this is what Jesus has done. He is light. It says he is light and he provides light for men, for all mankind. It's, uh, his light is so bright that it's like uh, if you've seen... Uh, uh, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? You've seen this movie? Chevy Chase and, uh, you know, Clark, Clark, Clark Griswold putting up his uh, 25,000 Italian twinkle lights on, on the roof, right? It, it backs up and shows sort of a, 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 you know, a global perspective, and you can see the whole neighborhood, you know, the whole city of Chicago, like the world is illuminated because of this house, right? He's, it's brightened the world and such with Jesus, right? Um, when they made that movie, they never thought it would be a, a sermon illustration. Uh, but his light is so bright and radiant that he comes. He illumines. He makes bright the world such that we actually won't need the sun and moon. Did you know that? Did you know that? The picture in Revelation, the end, same, same John writing Revelation, pictures a new heavens and a new earth that's come down, and we finally get the light, Jesus face to face in our midst. He says this, and I saw no temple in that day. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it. For the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. Do you see that? The, the light that will brighten the whole world is the person of Jesus. Such that we don't even need the sun and moon and stars. He is there. His glory, His brightness. But not only is he bright in himself, but his brightness uh, provides the light which we need to see everything else. Um, interesting thing about Jesus, 
He is uh, both the source of the light, but he's also the rays or the beams of light. He's both. Um, Maybe you've heard the famous quote uh, by C.S. Lewis. He says this, I I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, S-U-N, the sun in the sky, because I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone, so it is with Jesus. We believe in Jesus, not only because we see him, we see him in Scripture. In the first century, they saw him in the person. We see him by a spirit within us. Not only do we see the Son, S-O-N, but by seeing the Son, we now see the whole world. Now the world makes sense, right? Because we know him, now the whole world makes sense. My, my, my job makes sense. My family makes sense. Sexuality makes sense. Recreation makes sense. The whole world has its proper ordering. It's all illuminated because the light, not only is he there, but he makes it all visible. That we could see our life in its proper place. We can see what we're called to do, who we're called to be. The good news, John begins, is the light has come. That's good news. 400 years since the people of God had heard anything. It's good news to them. It's good news to us. We could end the sermon there. Um, but the text says that the pro- there's a problem. Uh, the second thing I want you to see is that it says the world did not know the light. The light came finally after all this time, all the prophecies. The light's here. There should be excitement. And the world didn't know it. Didn't know it. Verse 10. He was in the world, the light was, and the light was made, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, that's the Jews, and his own people did not receive him. What a statement. He was in the world. He is the one who made everything. Verse 3 says that all things were made through him, and without him was not, was not anything that was made. Did you know that Jesus is the agent of the Godhead that made the world? Genesis 1. Jesus was spoke and the world was. He is the word of God. John picks up that theme in verse 1. And yet, the world didn't know, didn't know who he was. I mean, if you're a parent here and you've, you've given birth, you know, uh, to these, these children and to, for them to not know you, to not acknowledge you, to not follow you, right? It would be maddening, right? You're my little creation in some way. Uh, how much more us? The light came and the world did not know him. The world didn't know him. Why didn't the world know him? I want to say that the world couldn't see him. And there's, there's a part truth to that. Uh, Corinthians says that the evil one has blinded the hearts of unbelievers. So there's a sense in which they couldn't see because evil's at work. But there's another sense that Jesus was on the earth walking and both Jew and Gentile saw him. They engaged with him. They saw miracles. They saw teaching. They saw him claiming to be one with the Father. They saw him. You can't say they didn't see him. The light was there. They didn't know him means they wouldn't, they wouldn't receive him. It says that even the Jews, his own people, did not receive him. They saw him, but they didn't know him in a way of internalizing it. Why? Because their hearts, John's audience is the same with our audience. Our hearts are darkened. 
See, the darkness of the world is not just out there, the bad people, right, or the bad politicians or the bad military leaders or the bad rulers, but there's the darkness is within. The world is a culmination of the hearts of men. The world doesn't know him when he comes. The world begins within us, our hearts. It's a culmination. It's a collective resistance to who the light is. There's resistance from the outside. There's evil one, but there's resistance from our own hearts. Darkness. We deceive ourselves, Scripture says. We manipulate. We are blind to the values of God. We deny the values of God for the values of the world. What's the values of the world? What is the world value? Values power, prestige, glamour, dominance, pleasure at all costs, quick fixes, flash, appearance. The value system of God is different. When Jesus came on the scene, when he entered in, he entered in with a new way of being, right? A new way of life. He wasn't here to do a little remodel. You know, it wasn't a little touch-up, fresh coat of paint. He was here to, to, to renew the whole earth, to change it, to bring a whole way of being, a new value system. And so the world saw that, and the world had nothing to do with that. He came not with pomp and grandeur, but he came as a humble king, right? He came on the scene. He, he didn't come to rule, but to serve, not to self-promote, but to sacrifice, not to seek pleasure, but to deny himself. It's the way of the kingdom of God. So he came and the world says, we, we do not acknowledge that. We do not receive that. It's not that his light wasn't bright. His glory was radiant, John says. It's that the world had never seen such goodness. Um, such glory. Uh, Isaiah says that he was not much to look at. Do you know that? If we saw his beauty, we wouldn't be impressed. Like King David. He was the smallest, right? He was, he was a meager little shepherd boy. He was, he was nothing impressive. And yet here, when the light, part of it is that he was so glorious. His character so good. He's so faithful. The world had never seen anything like it. The world could not handle it, could not engage it. He is light. Um, good news. Good news. What's the implications for us? Uh, the implication here that our, our own hearts don't know it. John says a few verses later that uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. So Jesus came. He's otherworldly. He's glorious. He's radiant. He's good. And the world wanted nothing to do with him. And John came to bear witness to him. Now, we're not Jesus, and we're not John the Baptist, but we take on the role, as we're called, to, to be light in the world, to bear witness, to point to him. What's the implication? If the world did not know him, the world hated him, the world would not know us. The world would hate him. We know what the world would do to the light, right? Be crucified. We know what the world would do to John the Baptist, the one that bear witness to the light. Be arrested. He'd be beheaded. His head on a platter to be mocked. 
Hopefully we don't have that experience. And yet, the world does not know us. Because we did not know him. I don't know as a church, at church, are we, uh, are we okay with being mocked, being ostracized, being marginalized? If we associate with light, we will become increasingly disliked and hated by the world. The world does not know him. If you associate with Jesus, the world will not know you. It will not understand your values. It will not understand the decisions you make and why you make them. The light has come. The world did not know the light. There's good news. We struggle with darkness outside. We struggle with darkness inside. Final thing, and I want to finish here, is the darkness could not overcome the light. That's Christmas, right? Verse 4. In him was life, and life was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness saw the light enter the world in the manger and immediately tried to extinguish it. What did Jesus do early on? First two years. Joseph had a dream, right? That they were going to try to, Herod was going to try to kill him. And so what does he do? They have to flee to Egypt. Jesus later begins his ministry and Satan takes him to the wilderness to try to extinguish the light, to compromise the character and the glory and the goodness, the faithfulness of God. You can have the world. You can have it all. Jesus' light was too good, it's too pure, and he resisted the devil. The Pharisees constantly called Jesus, tried to trap him, catching him heel on the Sabbath, teaching about who he was, to catch him, to do what? To kill him. They cannot stand the light. We know they would finally catch him. Or rather, the darkness would become so great that one of his own men, Judas, who'd been with him, who'd been loved by him, would turn on him. Think about the darkness of that. You ever thought about the darkness of that moment? Walk with Jesus. Jesus cared for him, taught him. He's sitting around the table celebrating the Passover. And he leaves, right? And betrays Jesus with a kiss. The Jews, the people chosen by God, would go after him to arrest him. He came for them first, it says. The Gentiles, the powers, the Romans, the, the political leaders... The ones in authority would get, get around them and unjustly rule. Let the people crucify him on a Roman cross. Light came in the world and darkness couldn't stand it. Darkness had to extinguish the light, and it did. Right? Christmas takes us to Easter. Jesus was crucified, but only for three days. It's like one of those trick candles, you know? Those little trick candles, you blow it out and it comes back and you blow it out. <laughs> and the grave held him, right? The light of the world burning, right? We say, descended to hell, we say. Darkness had the light. But the text says the darkness could not overcome it. Uh, when the light of the world came, Satan, the father of darkness, would meet. His master. Satan's greatest weapon had always worked. His greatest weapon was death. It, no matter how good of a, a person you are, or good of man or woman, how much ministry, how many good things, how much philanthropy, how much service, all of us come to the same end, right? Our light is extinguished. We die. We're, we're put into a coffin. We're put in the ground. We're put in darkness 
the end of all man. It's always worked. Evil has the final word. The great equalizer. And we go to funerals and we weep with sorrow. And evil seems to win and to triumph because darkness overcomes it. But not for Jesus. Not for Jesus. The same John that writes these words is the John of, the, of Revelation, as I said. The picture's the end of the new heavens and the new earth and a risen Christ that's returned, that's come again. We celebrate this Advent looking for the second Advent when the risen Christ will rule and reign in the middle and His glory will be seen and be manifested. We can't deny, we can't deny the darkness. We can't deny the last three weeks. We can't deny 2020. We can't deny darkness. It's a dark place. We can't skim the surface, right? We can't go to Christian cliches and platitudes and make, it's really dark, it's difficult, but the darkness will not overcome it. That's the hope of the gospel. We retell the story of Christmas. We rehearse it because this is our story. It means that there's hope in the midst of no matter what kind of difficulties we face, no matter what kind of trials. And it may be dim. It may be small. You know, the, the feeling at night when you, when you turn off the lights and you're in bed and, and you first turn them out, like you can't see anything, it's pitch black. Some of y'all have a nightlight, I know, but it's pitch black, right? And then, and then over time, your eyes kind of adjust and you can see a little bit. Maybe, the, uh, you know, maybe there's a nightlight in the hall or, or maybe there's a little light coming out from a window, from an exterior light. There's something, your eyes adjust, you can see a little bit, but it's dim, you, you may can tell it's your, your dresser over there. You might can see if a person was there moving, but you can't see the detail, right? It, it's dim, it's vague, it's, it's hard to tell. But, the, but then in the morning, particularly if the blinds are left open, right? It's just, the light bursts through, right? In the whole room. You can see every dust ball. You can see everything. It's illuminated, right? The light is in full force. It's shown. It's here. You can see it all. You know, sometimes it's like we got the dimmer switch on. <laughs> or maybe your heart's with the Lord. I, I can't connect to Jesus. It's kind of flickering. Paul tells us that's true. For now, we see, we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now in part, but then we show no fully, even as we have been fully known. Sin and brokenness make it, make it dark. And it, it, it gathers around the light to put it out. But the hope is that it's because of Jesus, because the light came, because the light took the best darkness had, and Jesus is resurrected. The you and I in Advent right now, when we celebrate the 25th, we have so much hope and joy because we know he's coming again. And when he comes again, darkness is gone. It's full light. It expels all of it. The darkness within, the darkness of the evil one, the darkness of the world. And we will know the beauty and the goodness of God forever, face to face. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. I don't know how it's been for you. I don't, I don't know where you are. I mean, people come in different places. Uh, many have had a difficult year. I hope the Advent... And these next weeks as we move into the Christmas season, um, man, I hope, I hope hope and light gains traction in your heart. 
I hope the dark places, the, the, the haunted houses of your heart that are kind of tucked away, <laughs> feel like the, the dimmer switches on only. We got a, a hope as you reflect upon Jesus, as you reflect upon the, the significance of what he's done and who he is, that the light would grow brighter and brighter and brighter. And as it does, there's one response. We'll do it now as we come to the supper. We'll do it as we sing. Hopefully you do it this week with your families and friends. The response is to worship. The implication from last week with the angels. When we see, we, we, we don't have a category for his glory and his radiance, but when we see it and we have the spirit to testify it, our hearts should come alive in worship. It's not sentimental Christmas carols. It's the fact that the light has come and that's our only hope. Pray we would know it and rejoice in it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the goodness of your word that speaks to the goodness of your son. And when all hope was lost, for year after year after year, it was only darkness. The world system seemed to reign. Power, dominance, fame. Yet you have a new system, a new way. And you didn't just tell us about it. You didn't just give us a manual. You didn't just show us five steps. But you came yourself to be light. The light you are for our hearts. May we know it today. And may we rejoice in it this Advent season, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing, or excuse me, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper.